0: You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Storch Show. Let's go. Welcome to The Andy Storch Show. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited you're joining me today for a really cool interview I have for you, you know this show is all about starving our fears, following our dreams, and fulfilling our true potential. And if you are an entrepreneur, a entrepreneur, you have a side gig, or even if you are a corporate employee who plans on keeping it that way, I think it is more and more important to build a personal brand or think about your brand, how you show up in the world, what are people's perception of you, and do they like, know, know, like, and trust you. And that I'm finding is more and more helping me achieve success with my business, with all the things that I'm doing on social media, getting speaking opportunities, getting all kinds of opportunities coming my way. And I would say the two biggest things that are helping me do those things are number one, building a network. And number two, the things I do to build a personal brand. And I know a lot of you are thinking about this. Some of you might not be, especially if you're in the corporate world, you're happily an employee. So I have a great interview for you today today with a woman named Mary Henderson. Mary is an internationally recognized personal branding expert who knows how to commercialize a personal brand into a monetizable online and offline business. She's a speaker and author of a number of fictional and non-fictional books and the founder of Six Figure Expert, an end-to-end online coaching program exclusively designed for coaches, consultants, startups, and business owners that takes them from idea to productization and monetization in months. I have been following Mary on LinkedIn For months, or maybe more than a year, and I love the stuff that she puts out there. Uh, We've supported each other. She's had me on her podcast, which was kind of a pivotal moment for me. It really—I had some some aha moments when I was doing that interview, and we were going back and forth about this idea of building a personal brand in the corporate world. And I thought, I wonder if there's an opportunity to really push that because most people that are talking about personal brand, they're focused on entrepreneurs. And I think that, you know, people in the corporate world, employees who are going to stay employees, have a big opportunity to build a personal brand as well and have it help them in their future careers. And I've been stuck in my mind since then. My wife, Courtney, has been pushing me on that, telling me there's a big opportunity there. And so I've been thinking more about that. And I'm thinking about writing a book, building a platform in that space in 2020. So just putting that out there now. Is something I'm really thinking about, and uh, Mary helped me think through that. And she's on a similar mission, having written books and posting daily on LinkedIn. So it's really cool that I got to be on her podcast, and now I finally get to interview her. And I thought this was a really great discussion on building a personal and professional brand. And note, we focus most of the time on companies and corporations, but I think if you're an entrepreneur, you can certainly benefit from this conversation as well. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mary Henderson. What is up, everybody? I am live on LinkedIn and Facebook, I think, with the great Mary Henderson. And Mary is an internationally recognized personal branding expert who knows how to commercialize a personal brand into a monetizable online and offline business. She's a speaker and author of a number of fictional and non-fictional books and the founder of a six-figure expert an end-to-end online coaching program exclusively designed for coaches, consultants, startups, and business owners that takes them from idea to productization and monetization in just a few months. And Mary, I also know you as being absolutely prolific on LinkedIn, which is where we first connected. And you're also joining us from uh, Melbourne, Australia, where it is uh, a day ahead of me. So hello. Good morning.
1: Hi, Andy. I know. It's actually quite random when I'm talking to people in the US because we're always one day ahead. Yeah. And so I'm always saying good evening, good morning, good day. I don't know. I'm kind of lost. But anyway, we're connected. We're together. We're live. Let's make it happen.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. <laughs> and it's cool because we've been following each other on LinkedIn. I've seen you all over the place on there and, and you had me on your podcast a while back. And actually, before we started recording, I was saying to you, and I want to thank you for that because you actually put something in my mind. That has stuck with me and, and something that I'm probably going forward with in my own mission. But we we have a similar mission in raising awareness on personal brands. But like I was saying earlier, not just in the entrepreneurial space where we hear people talk about it all the time, but in the corporate space as well, where people don't think about that as much. They don't think that they need that as much. And you said something to me right before we started recording, which is your mission is to replace job titles with personal brands. So... Tell me more about what that means and and how did you get to this place? This is amazing.
1: Yes. Well, the thing is, Andy, that I started playing with personal branding in year 2000. So that was 19 years ago when nobody knew what personal branding actually was. And I had my own personal experience, which was actually quite prolific, to be perfectly frank. It was that experience. You know, I always talk about my red snake skin boots that actually brought me to this interview today. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today, had I not had that face-to-face experience with personal branding. And for me, it was really around twofold. It was understanding like-minded zone, and you've got to connect with people at that level. And the other thing is, to be able to solve a complex problem and be known in the industry as that person. And I figured that out very early in my career as I was growing in the corporate ranks. And I stuck with that, Andy, but I played with it. I really became very highly conscious of this notion around building my brand as the person that can solve complex problems in the tech industry. Now, keeping in mind here, I was in the technology industry, which was very male dominated, which is still very dominated. And for me, it was about how do I stand out and be seen and be heard amongst all of these egomaniacs? There's a lot of guys here coming. You know, all you need to do is go into the Cisco car park and there's Porsches, Lamborghinis, Ferraris everywhere. It just goes to show you the type of persona you're dealing with strong personalities. I mean, these are really smart guys, but strong personalities. And uh, I mean, I never had an issue in that situation. But what I was trying to do was actually stand out. And I mean, I, always have had a lot of self-respect for myself, but it was also about getting respect from your peers and from the industry at large. So that's where it all started from me and I've massaged it and unpacked it and created now an algorithm around that whole thing. But what I also did, Andy, I took that understanding of personal branding in my next role, which was a very senior role at a director level working for a multinational in the US actually for a big tech company. And I implemented that notion around personal branding in my entire sales team. So on my first day as the director of sales, I said to my team, listen, guys, we are going to just push our job descriptions and our job titles aside. What I need to know and understand is who are you in your natural state. What are your passions? What is your mission? What do your traits look like? What are your gifts, your talents, your abilities? I need to understand that. And we had this whole off-site sales conference where I spent the whole day understanding these people. I went away, I came back, and I said, okay, I'm going to match all of you individually to the portfolio that best matches your persona and who you are in your natural state. And you know what happened, Andy? We built a business from 4 million to 54 million in 48 months. Wow. We did. So that's why I'm so passionate about this idea around personal branding, replacing job titles, because I've done it. And then I did it again in my when I had my digital agency for seven years. I had a big infrastructure, lots of employees. I did exactly the same there. And now, you know, I'm driving the ship just in this understanding of how do you commercialise a personal brand? It's not just personal branding. Right. It's how do you commercialise this human being that's full of genius?
0: Yeah. Well, let's take a step back too. And I think people probably understand this from context or if you've been around this concept a lot. But when you say personal brand, I mean, you, you went back to the boots and then getting to know people who they truly are. What do you mean by that? What does that mean, especially in the context of you know maybe working on a sales team or working in corporate world?
1: I think that we need to take a step back as leaders and ask ourselves, how do we bring the 24-hour version of these individual human beings to life between the hours of nine to five? I think that's the very most important question we need to ask ourselves. What we're doing, a job description limits our people. We're saying that between nine to five, this is all you can do and this is all you can be. What I'm saying is no, that's not enough because I'm going to give you an example here, Andy, and in your business, you probably relate, you understand this very clearly how many people in the corporate world have a side hustle? I think the percentage is like 28 or 30 percent. Yeah, so here's my thinking if I know that John has a cooking show on YouTube, I want John's skills in social media because John is understand YouTube better than any marketing director in the world because he's eating, breathing, sleeping. That's his passion. It's the thing that's on his mind at 5.01. Okay, that's the passion that we need to capture in 9 to 5 because those skills, those skills that John has can absolutely be utilised in the corporate environment. Which, which, becomes IP for corporations. This is how you build a library of IP, essentially becoming a university of intelligence, just because you allow people to bring the 24-hour version into, into the mix.
0: That's interesting because a lot of times people might have a side hustle or a hobby, and they might almost be ashamed of bringing that up at work and not telling their oh. colleagues or their co-workers or their, or their friends yes. because they're afraid of people judging them. Or the boss saying, why are you wasting your time with that? You should be working more instead of you know, doing... If you have time to do that, then you have time to work. What you're saying is almost merge those, bring those strengths and passion to work and help you with your, with your day job.
1: Exactly. Or help other departments who actually might find value in those skills. So I think that what we've got to do, and it's happening, we are moving to a horizontal landscape, not a vertical landscape. You know, the, the business silos are being diluted because knowledge is now shared horizontally, not necessarily vertically It's so obvious because so many consultants are being brought in to upskill and reskill. Therefore, the information is being shared this way, not this way. But the same mindset needs to happen internally. And it will happen because a lot of corporations will be forced to go down this pathway 10 years from now. I mean, it's just, it's a given. We're working with Humans, you know, I can see my children, for example, nine and eight, their mindset's completely different, you know, to uh, a 20-year-old. They're already thinking about, you know, how do I start a business? How do I monetize it? I mean, my nine-year-old asked me the other day, can I get your web development team to develop a website for me? So they're already thinking like that, right? Already thinking about how they're going to monetize and commercialize their personal brand. By the way, I'm not influencing them. Well, maybe I am, <laughs> subconsciously. But the it's point is... Exactly. But the thing is that I think that this notion around knowledge sharing is moving to a horizontal landscape.
0: Yeah, totally. And you're right. I mean, your kids are adapting to this stuff. My five-year-old daughter thinks that she's on a YouTube channel. I think all the time, you know, she's like acting out. You know, we might as well record this and turn, <laughs> turn it into a YouTube channel. But they're discovering this idea of like, you know, hey, technology, personal brand, doing lots of different things. And uh, you're saying a lot of people have these side hustles, these these hobbies. I want to go back to the example you gave because some people might be wondering. Okay, let's say someone works in technology, software engineering at Cisco or something. And they also have this cooking YouTube channel on the side. How do you bring that to work? And how does that help with the job you're doing when they're so completely different?
1: I think that there was a study done a while back by a social psychologist, and I found it very interesting. And his research was basically about how some people are brilliant negotiators and other people are not. But what was so interesting about that research was that the people that were brilliant negotiators had some fundamental differences to the ones that weren't. The first is that they had a network of people around them and that network of people were able to tap into their passions. Now, this is exactly what I'm talking about here with regards to bringing in the 24-hour version of an individual. Now, I know for sure someone like myself has a massive network outside, always have, of my nine-to-five job. Okay, so that's the first thing. Second thing is is that I have very specific passions outside of nine-to-five. When people, when my colleagues were able to tap into that passion, I became a completely different person. I just lit up That's what happens when you tap into people's passions. You give them full permission to be their true selves in that space. And that's fundamental to get the most out of your people in a nine-to-five situation. We don't want people coming to work with a robotic mindset, which essentially that's how we're trained to, to act. We're trained to act like workers. That's robotic. But that model doesn't work, Andy. That's why we see so many salespeople I think the average tenure now for a salesperson is 18 months. I mean, that's ridiculous. Why are we having so much turnover in our corporate environments? Let's really ask the question. Is it because of job dissatisfaction? Is it because of pay? Because a lot of the times you find that actually it's got nothing to do with the pay. Mm -hmm. It's it's not even about not liking my job. It's about the ability of I'm not allowed to be myself when I show up every day. That's actually where I believe is the problem based on the experience that I've had with humans, managing human, leading humans, yep. you know, growing humans. And I found that that if I was able to put my ego in my back pocket and treat these people as humans and bring the best out in them, yep. I got a lot out of them. And I proved that time and time again.
0: What do you say to to someone? uh, I can see the the skeptic or cynic saying, well, people haven't been allowed to really bring their whole selves to work for the last 400 years. So why is it such a big issue now?
1: I think that it's so easy today to actually start a business, for example. So the idea of being in a full-time job for, say, a 20-year-old it's not a desire. It's not something that a lot of these guys go, oh, wow, I've got my degree now and I can't wait to work 60 hours as a lawyer. Most of them go, please, I just can't cope. I mean, I had a cousin that got a law degree, worked for two years, couldn't stand it, starts her own business. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, how does that happen? You've got two years of of experience yeah. with out in the field. Now you've got your own business. But the point being is that a lot of the younger people are setting their own standard the way that they want to live in this world. And we have a lot of people that, well, you could say unfortunately or fortunately, people like the Gary V's that come on and they're like, you know, if you don't like it, just get rid of it. Start your own business. On on one hand, I'm okay with that. On the other hand, it is quite dangerous because it's not easy, as you and I know, to start your own business. It's a Mm -hmm. constant, you know, 100% effort, 24-7, 365. Yep but what i'm saying is that the landscape is changing we will see a lot of people transitioning into consultants and freelancers because that's also shifting yeah. we're seeing corporations actually now they have a budget specifically for freelancers and consultants mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot of upskilling and reskilling so there's going to be a lot of investment in external resources to upskill and reskill plus andy Um, the World Economic Forum stated in their white paper that, and this is quote-unquote, every, every employee will require an average of 101 days of upskilling, 101 days. Who's got 101 days to give up, to upskill? So here's what I'm saying. Why are we actually not thinking laterally? Bring people's skills from outside in and start building a library of intelligence with your people. There's enough intelligence in the organization
0: for people to be able to share their knowledge and their wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. And we can open that up. Like you you mentioned earlier, put your ego in your back pocket. You know, a lot of times people are not bringing their whole selves to work. It's because of fear of judgment fear of rejection, things like that. We want to keep that job. But we want to bring our whole selves to work. We want to leverage our strengths and our potential and be able to really, truly add value. And you're right. A lot of people are leaving companies because they're not happy with their manager. They're not happy with the culture. They're not happy with the company. And they don't really feel like they are either not able to bring their full selves to work or they're not getting the development opportunities they want. They're not really able to grow in their career. And if we don't help them grow, then they're going to move on and, and go somewhere else. But I want to go back to this idea of building a personal brand. So you talked about being able to bring your whole self to work, right? And there's other things that go with that, right? Because and you and I talked about this before. Personal brand, everybody has one whether you want it or not, right? It's It's all about the perception that people have of you. And you can be intentional or you can just leave it up to chance. So how do you act more intentionally with creating that personal brand?
1: This is a very important question a lot of the guys that come to me from corporate typically are around the age group of around 45 to 55. Most of the guys at that point, they've either been made redundant or they've left for whatever reason. Now, the ones that have been made redundant, they're the ones that I worry about most because they're the ones that are completely lost. They haven't built a brand, and they're coming out of a six-figure job, usually at C-suite. They're usually the people that call me, and they're not going to replace that three, four hundred thousand dollars salary in a hurry. Let me just tell you, or replace that corner job, that corner office, or their their business title. Here's my approach to how to build a a personal brand in corporate. It has to be intentional. It has to be strategic. It has to be deliberate. That's the very first thing. The second thing is, is that we must figure out what we want to be known for in the corporate landscape, in terms of a specialist, not an expert, a specialist, because this is, again, where we're heading in terms of the corporate landscape. Again, World Economic Forum have clearly indicated this. Specialists are in hot demand, okay? This is the new black, whether we like it or not. We have to understand that we have to, as a corporate C-suite, I don't care whether you're a CFO, CTO, CEO, now is the time to figure out what you want to be known for. And specialization is key in one area that you know for sure. We are talking here about five, 10, 15, 20, 30,000 hours of experience in one thing that you can do inside out. Number one. Number two, if I asked you, Hey, how would you create a methodology around that area of specialization? That one complex problem that you can solve based on your specialisation, what does that methodology actually look like? And a specialist, a true specialist, should be able to get on the whiteboard and be able to illustrate that flow effortlessly without referencing any white papers or a PowerPoint presentation. That's the level of specialisation I'm talking about here. Now, what does that also mean? There's another layer that comes with that. In order to be recognised as a specialist, we have to be seen and we have to be heard. This is where C-suites need to raise their hand and say, I want to be the person who owns this space. Therefore, I want PR around this. Not I want PR. This needs to be a discussion even at a board level on how do we actually convert our Customer facing key people into specialists because Andy, this creates a PR opportunity of a lifetime of a lifetime. Now you've got a new narrative. Now you're saying our company has five specialists in these areas, and we know that they're specialists because they collectively have 220,000 hours amongst them. Okay. That's number one. Number two is that we have to give permission to our customer facing people to use platforms like LinkedIn strategically and deliberately. Okay. We don't want to be showcasing our cats and our dogs and our screaming children. It's not the platform for that. But if we want to be known as a specialist, we have to show up and put our hand up and understand the power of this. Plus also, put up our hand, or the corporation should allow these customer-facing people to be the people who show up at keynotes as Mm. that specialist, okay? So now instead of the CEO doing all the keynotes, why are we not using all the C-suites to do different types of keynotes in different industries, sharing a whole different message based on their area of specialisation? You know, Tesla do this very well, You know, I was at a keynote a couple of years ago at the CPA conference and the Tesla CFO was actually a keynote speaker talking about how they use AI in the finance department. Mm. Now, Elon Musk wasn't there, his CFO was there. This is what I'm talking about. So this whole narrative now around Tesla completely changes because now people are respecting the CFO and seeing the CFO as a specialist, not necessarily Elon Musk. So this is where we have to go. Cheryl Sandberg, same thing. She's a personal brand. She's an employee within Facebook and They have invested so much money in her as a brand. Why? Because the narrative changes for Facebook. Remember, she knows how to make media companies profitable. Mm -hmm. That's what she does, that her brand is around that, okay? She's created books around humanising women, you know, making women show up, step up, all of this. This is the whole narrative. And so we see it everywhere but not enough
0: this is so interesting this idea of specialization to build that perception to build that personal brand companies you know putting people out there in their specializations i feel like apple has done this well over the years with their launches steve jobs and and through tim cook now they always put other players on the stage who had a hand in you know building the products or creating different parts of marketing and different executives and it's not just all about the ceo taking the spotlight so I see the obvious benefit to individuals in building that personal brand and a lot of people in corporate still don't know what to do with that and this is good guidance it starts with building that specialization what do you want to be known for and I think also that lends well you mentioned earlier the, the future of work and where work is going and I think you and I agree we've talked about this before you know you hear a lot about this gig economy that companies are going to be moving more towards project based work right and away from these defined roles where, oh, you got hired as an accountant and you're always going to be doing this versus slotting people into different projects. And how are you going to find the best people for your projects? It's going to be based on the brands that they have built, the specializations that they've built in that project. Would you agree?
1: Oh my God. I mean, this is where LinkedIn is vital. Mm. You know, want to build your social currency and stand out as the expert. This is where LinkedIn comes in. It should be the only tool that a corporate should encourage their customer-facing people to use to actually position not just their specialization. But let's be smart here. If a CFO or a CTO is on LinkedIn two or three times a week posting specifically around their area of specialization, they will be hashtagging the company. I mean, this is just common sense to me. I don't get why they're so worried about not allowing people to actually step up and actually be a voice for the trust. Brand. They don't trust their
0: people, right?
1: They don't trust their people. Comes back to what I'm saying. You have to humanize the human. If you don't allow the human being to show up as a human and you want them to show up as a worker, that to me is a redundant company. That seriously is so 1965. It doesn't work. The world does not work like that anymore. And I see it as a consultant coming out in and I talk to especially sales directors who are so frightened, Andy, so frightened of empowering their people. But I'm saying, but I've done this before. I'm telling you it works. You know, I don't understand. What if they build their brand and they leave? They leave. They were always going to leave. Always
0: right? And they'll always be attached to your company. It'll be on their resume, on their LinkedIn profile, right? Unless it was such a bad experience, they erased it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So social currency, going back to that, that question, is vital because that's the first point of contact where people will check you out. How many times, Andy, have people actually reached out to you and actually mentioned how good your content is or that they read something and that they related to it? most of the people that connect with me, connect with me because they've actually seen my content, checked out my content, right? And I get this all the time. So I know that building my social currency is absolutely
0: vital based on the area that I specialize in. 100%. I agree. And there's so much opportunity out there. So I have talked to uh, friends who have come to me and said, Hey, how do I you know, prepare for future job. Not looking right now, but down the road. What would you recommend I do? And I talk about this as well. Get on LinkedIn, start sharing some stuff, build your brand now because recruiters or whoever are going to be looking at that later. And start building that personal brand. Now you are someone that I look up to as a LinkedIn master, and I know a lot of people think that about me. But you're like next level. You're always creating and and posting amazing content on LinkedIn, and I love following what you do. Obviously most people are not going to pop up and start sharing edited videos or doing live interviews on LinkedIn like we're doing right now but for the typical leader who's not in sales or marketing you know they're they're a practitioner of some type in a corporation but they're listening to this and thinking yeah I do want to start you know maybe putting some something out there or building a personal brand what kind of advice do you usually give to them
1: Well this is where it gets a bit tricky because if I'm working in a corporate environment And I think that we've got to just take a step back. If the corporation wants to shift in the landscape that they're in and they genuinely want to be known as specialists, then this notion around personal branding is only going to add massive value to their bottom line, okay? And also for PR opportunities, there's a lot of tangible outcomes, not deliverables, outcomes going down this pathway. The second part to this equation, Andy, Is that this is where marketing needs to step in and collaborate and actually understand a combination of a few things. First of all, they need to create content for their customer facing people who will be using LinkedIn to build their specialization or their social currency, I should say, rather. And those, the content that marketing creates are actually based on qualitative and quantitative data, okay, because they have it. They actually understand the customer pain points. They have a search engine optimization strategy. They've got SEO teams that work in there. They've got tech teams. There's so much data that corporates have I actually don't think that they're utilizing it properly. So think about this. You go in there, you've got all this unbelievable data. Honestly, that data can convert into a thousand content topics and posts, whether it be articles, whether it be short text posts, there's so much opportunity. And yet, No one's actually looking at it from that standpoint. So it is an investment, but think about what happens. Now think about someone like you and I who are on LinkedIn daily and have built our social currency because of content I don't have you know, 50 man band company. I've got a very, very small team. And, you know, based on that scenario, I'm competing with a big professional services company now. I marry. Okay. Why? Because my social currency and my content actually do the selling for me without the selling. So this is the same notion with corporate. Okay. Now, can I, as an individual, create my own content? Yes, you can, as long as it's strategic and deliberate and it falls within the company caveats and there needs to be caveats. I do believe in that. I really do because you want your showcasing, yes, your area of specialisation but under the corporate banner. So this is where personal branding and corporate branding have to merge and become one. This is vital. Okay. And to do that, you need to understand all of the moving parts that need to meet halfway. And so this is where I think a lot of people get stuck. And it's like, well, where do I start? What do I start with? But I think the discussion is much bigger than what do I do? It's like, what do we do?
0: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there needs to be some alignment, some guidelines. If you're working for a big company, but even if you're working in a small company, working on your own, another thing you mentioned in there, touched on that I've talked to people about, and I still need to take my own advice more is that sometimes you feel this pressure to like, oh, I've got to create my own content. You know, people are doing video, I've got to do video, or I've got to like write these these uh, witty posts or tell these really fascinating stories like our friend Dale Dupree, the copier warrior, right? You don't have to do that. You can say, I just read this interesting article in Harvard Business Review or Fortune or you know, I just read this interesting book. Has anybody else read this or hear the the bullet points of the three to five highlights and just start sharing content or things that your own company is putting out? It doesn't have to be yours.
1: And I think also we need to remember that, you know, I know for sure based on the content that I produce, which as you know, is daily, it takes 60 touch points, Andy. I've got data on this. 60 touch points, Andy, for me to generate a qualified lead, somebody that actually reaches out and says, I think I want to work with you. 60, 60, not six or 10 or 20. That's three months worth of content before somebody reaches out. Now, this is not just me, Andy. This is the B2B buying cycle is wide and it's very deep. Okay. Gartner produced a visual on this. An actual infographic on this. And it was mind-blowing that we're not looking at this and going, Oh my God. And in that infographic, in that infographic, there it was like a light LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is a part of the buying uh decision-making process, according to Gartner. Now, if I was a salesperson, I would be freaking out looking at that. And of course, I was looking at that with the eyes of a salesperson thinking, hang on a minute. If this is how wide and deep the buying cycle is, then my content is seen and it's being heard, but it's not just one or two, it's a lot of content bites, right? And so we have to understand that. The second thing is that we have to also understand that we've got to go through this no like trust process. So all these people that are saying, just get out there, tell your story and be authentic. I'm saying that is the worst advice anyone can give you absolute worst advice because I don't care about your story and you're already authentic. So your story has to be relatable and has to be believable. So in the context of who you are in in your specialisation, how does that that story relate to that specialisation? Give me the link so I can go, oh, I get it, which is what our friend Dale Dupre does very well. That's what he does. He gives you the story, but it goes all the way back to why you need to know this story. Because you, as the salesperson that's reading this post, is one hundred percent relatable to you. Do you see how he does it?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I watch it. I, I, you know, I see his daily posts and watch how he does yeah. that, and you you connect it and see it and see it and see it, and you go, okay, he is the master at sales at getting in touch with clients. And I see your stuff, you know, day after day after day. And it, it sinks in to where it becomes, okay, Mary Henderson is the absolute authority on personal brand. And if I want to you know, invest more in building a personal brand, I need to go talk to Mary. I need to go join one of her programs. But it takes a while to sink in. And, and most people are probably not on LinkedIn every day like we are. So maybe they're popping in once or twice a week and seeing something. And so that's why you got to keep putting things out there. And the other thing is that that stuff is all evergreen too. So if you're not building a brand and you're not in sales, you might just be looking for another job later. I always say this too. And I I gave a talk about this recently and there were some recruiters in the room. I said, hey, recruiters, when you go to hire somebody, do you look at their LinkedIn and do you go see if they've produced any content? Do you go see if they've shared in the articles? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Of course we do. And that's evergreen, as they say. It's always going to be there. So people can look back and say, oh, look at all these things Mary shared. She obviously knows something about this subject.
1: Exactly. And the other thing can I just suggest is that there is an offline world as well so there while got, yeah, about that. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> there is an online so we've got LinkedIn which is brilliant to build our social currency and social proof but then there's offline okay so this is where when I'm working with my clients and I'm always saying guys there's online which is amazing and we have to focus on that but what does your channel strategy actually look like so how are we actually going to get the brand? online into offline, because this is another area that a lot of people have almost forgotten about. Now, I don't like networking events. I'm not interested in networking events, but for some people, that's the perfect opportunity to actually showcase what it is that you know for sure. So, we have to also, in the corporate environment, again, include marketing or corporate communications and actually figure out how we can actually get our customer-facing people as speakers to specific events, you know, like the CPA conferences, the CA conferences, the Law Institute. There's so many opportunities to actually talk about our area of specialisation. I was just recently on the CPA speaking circuit, the National Speaking Circuit, talking about personal branding. But, you know, Andy, I just thought that opportunity is just such a brilliant, brilliant way to showcase. That's why they had Elon Musk, CFO there two years ago. This is what people want. They want relatable people that they can hear speaking about what they're doing different in their organizations, what technologies they're using that's creating you know, specific outcomes to their bottom line or whatever. So I think that this idea around building your personal brand online is awesome, but there is other opportunities offline as well, industry journals, things of that nature.
0: Yeah. You don't have to do everything online. You don't have to be on social media that much. I know some people don't love it. It's totally fine. Like you said, there's networking events. I always talk about opportunities to build your personal brand in your company. Right, The way you show up, the way you uh, volunteer for certain projects or take on certain roles, or the way you network and talk to other people in the company. There's so many opportunities there to build your network, build your brand. Mary, we got to start to wrap this thing up here. Is there something a trend or something on personal branding that we have not covered yet do you want to make sure that we leave our listeners with?
1: Well, I think that with regards to a personal branding, it all comes down to how we want to show up as a human being in the world. And it is all about the human. And I think we have to remember that. We have to always come back to that aspect of personal branding And the other thing is, is understanding what your brand signature actually looks like. And once we can actually understand who we are as a human and what that signature looks like and we merge those together, it really is about being highly conscious of how we show up on a day-to-day basis to actually future-proof our careers. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee, this is about future-proofing your career. That's what we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, I mean, this, the world is changing fast. The rate of change is faster than it's never been before, and it's also slower than it's ever going to be. Yeah. Things are going to change a lot. Jobs are going to change, but your personal brand may not ever have to change, right? You build that true personal brand, what you're really known for, and uh, you've got something that might, you know, uh, last the test of time. So we talked earlier about the importance of specialization. Talked about how you know companies are changing and how you can really build that niche and build that perception because the brand is about how you show up and the perception, how you can build that both online and especially on LinkedIn and offline, whether you're an entrepreneur or you are a corporate employee, this is going to be really important for you going forward. For anybody listening who may want to follow you or work with you, Mary, where's the best place for them to go?
1: So LinkedIn, of course. Um, and search for Mary Henderson Coaching and just connect with me on my personal profile. Happy to connect with people or uh, visit my website, maryhendersoncoaching.com or send me an email, mary at maryhendersoncoaching.com.
0: It's all in the brand. And if you're not connected, you're connected with me or listening to me and you're not connected with me or you're not connected with Mary, make sure you connect with both of us. Follow both of us on LinkedIn. We're both posting content almost daily. I am almost daily. Mary is definitely daily and hers is amazing, especially if you're interested in this topic of building a personal and professional brand, which is something I'm fascinated with. And so it's been awesome to have the amazing Mary Henderson on here all the way from Melbourne, Australia on a Saturday morning. Thank you so much for joining us, Mary. This has been awesome. Awesome,
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Thanks Uh, so much.
0: Grateful for you. Take care.
1: Thank you.